0: Welcome to the first in a series of Ask a Chair podcasts brought to you by SAEM Rams. We are here with Dr. Nate Cooperman, the current chair of emergency medicine for the University of California Davis School of Medicine. Dr. Cooperman is a powerhouse in pediatric emergency medicine research and is essentially the principal investigator for pediatric EM research in the U.S., Thank you so much for coming to talk to us today, Dr. Cooperman. We really appreciate it.
1: I'm happy to be here.
0: So you are the principal investigator for both PCARN and the chair of the executive committee for for PERN. These are the two largest research networks in pediatric emergency medicine. How did you get involved in such large projects? And how could a resident or student follow in your footsteps? What advice would you give them?
1: So first, let me clarify that I'm one of the principal investigators in PCARN because there's six or seven of us, mm-hmm. but I've been involved with PCARN since 2001, and I am uh, I do serve as chair of PERN, as you mentioned. So to answer your question directly, I have two types of answers. One is sort of the global answer, and one is the smaller, uh, more real-worldly answer, and Globally, I became involved in both pcorn and PERN because all of us want to make an impact in this world, and uh, with my work, I felt as my career progressed that the best way I could improve the care of acutely ill and injured children was through doing research. And in pediatric emergency care, to really have definitive research, it has to be multi-center because we don't have enough children with specific illnesses at any one given center. So PCARN really was the first federally funded United States Pediatric Emergency Research Network that um, addressed these issues and I got very involved with that. And PERN addresses similar issues but on a global scale. So the global answer is I got involved because I felt this was the best way that I could impact the care of acutely ill and injured children. On a smaller, more real uh, uh, answer to your question in terms of how I became involved mm-hmm. is it started very small. So I first started doing research because I looked around me and I saw things that I didn't understand and I started doing small research questions. And I realized as time went on with my smaller scale research to answer the really important questions, it had to be big.
0: Mm-hmm. And that
1: that's what led me to to PECARN. So, remind me of the second part of your question.
0: Uh, how could a resident or student work to follow in your footsteps if they wanted to be involved in some sort of large-scale research venture like PERN and PECARN?
1: Perfect. So I would say first is that you need to start small because PECARN and PERN, these are major collaborations with many, many people involved, so it's not any one person that is that is doing these networks. It is a consortium, a collaboration between many individuals who have had a research career starting small, looking at small questions, getting a track record of research underneath them before they get involved in PCORN or PERN. So I would say first look around you when you're caring for patients. What are things that don't make sense that you feel, wow, there's no real answer as to how to do this best and look at questions that way. And then I would say the next step is is that if you're really passionate about trying to answer these questions and passionate about doing research, then you have to figure out how to get trained and how to protect your time to do that. So once you finish your residency, I would tell an emergency medicine or a pediatric emergency medicine uh, resident to get research training. In the old days, we went right from residency to becoming a faculty member, mm-hmm. but these days to really become a researcher who is able to move the dial and answer some big questions, you need research training. And two other things that I would just mention and that is part of the, uh, the, the magic sauce to get there is you need mentorship, so it's important to identify an individual or a group of individuals that can help mm-hmm. guide you to get there, and finally, it need you need time to do research. So once you finish that training, you need to be in a job in a position where you have time protected to mm-hmm. pursue that research. And with those steps, eventually that can lead you to large collaborations.
0: Mm-hmm. You mentioned um, specific research training after residency. Is that a fellowship or what does that look like?
1: Right. There's uh there's lots of um, ways that one can get research training after fellowship. So the I would consider the the gold standard way to get uh, research training would be to start first to start off with research fellowships, of which there are many, and then the NIH has many research training programs, the K awards, and Mm -hmm. there are uh, K awards that are based at institutions called KL2s, and then there are individual K awards that are called K23s and K08s. It's a big numerical soup, but uh, the point is is these are all training programs that allow you to learn about research and protect your time to do it. As an aside, I'll mention the Society for Academic Emergency Medicine has research training uh, grants, as does the Emergency Medicine Foundation. So there's other vehicles outside of the federal funding bureaucracy.
0: Excellent. What? do you think is the biggest barrier to developing a research project? And then what would you say is the biggest challenge to sustaining one?
1: So those are very good questions. I would say there are a few barriers, but I think the most important barrier Mm -hmm. is coming up with a really good idea. And I've uh, heard really good researchers ask the question, how do you come up with so many good ideas? And the answer is, You really don't. You come up with a lot of ideas and if you generate a lot of ideas then hopefully a few of them will be really good. Mm -hmm. That is the hardest uh, part. Once you identify a really good idea then to answer it precisely, exactly and with a a great ability you need grant funding. Uh, So then you'll need to pursue the grant funding path which is challenging. But once you have a real good idea and you're passionate about what you do, and you have the training to do it, then eventually, knock on wood, you'll be grant funded.
0: What would you say is the best advice that you could offer to a resident who is looking to start a research career, be it in pediatrics or sure.
1: elsewhere? Let me answer. I, I, I think I forgot to answer the second part of your previous question: oh, was how, right. to, to st- how to sustain how to sustain how to
0: sustain a project
1: sustain a project which is uh, challenging both when you are doing a project of your own uh, as well as when you're doing a multi-center research project. Research actually is, the bulk of research is a lot of hard work and grunt work, and then there's 5 to 10% glory work when when it actually works out. So it's always uh, a challenge to sustain those periods of time where you're doing a lot of grunt hard work but you have to have your eye on the prize, and the prize is not the glory. The prize is answering the important question that you've come up with. So you need to stay motivated. In multi-center research, there are a lot of sites that are typically participating, and you need to offer a lot of encouragement, positive feedback to the site investigators because there's many people working together to try to answer the question. So it's important to do... There's a, a number of positive feedback techniques, celebration, celebrating each small step as you achieve them, things like that, because mm-hmm. it can take a while until you get to the to the answer. Mm-hmm. But I'm sorry, the, the next question that you had asked: uh,
0: What would be what would be the best advice that you can offer to a resident trying to start a research career, be it in pediatrics or just emergency medicine in general?
1: Right. So I guess I'll be a little bit redundant, and the first thing. I would say is that make sure that research is your passion and there's, there are many different paths that an emergency physician or a pediatric emergency physician can take. They can be outstanding educators, they can do simulation, they can do ultrasound, a number of things. So you have to really be passionate, not the I- about the idea of research, but of actually doing research. And once you've identified that based on some prior experience. Then the most important thing, I think the two things that I mentioned previously is make sure you get outstanding research training and make sure you have really good mentorship because those two things I think are critical at an early stage of your career Mm -hmm. to get down the research path.
0: Uh, What are some of the major trends and advancements that we can look forward to in both pediatric emergency medicine and emergency medicine in general, since you're involved in both fields?
1: Right. I have a particular bias, of course, with uh, regard to network research. My feeling is that people recognize to answer the big important questions, you frequently need to enroll lots of patients to come up with the exact answer. There was a great example just this week in the New England Journal of Medicine where there was two articles that compared one type of intravenous solution, normal saline, to another type lactated ringers. They needed to enroll many thousands of patients to determine which was the right one for a routine intervention that we do all the time. But it's an example that we really uh, need to do multi-center, big research to answer some important questions, I'm also uh, of the opinion that the double blinded randomized trial is really the gold standard for answering many clinical questions, and we're going to see we're going to continue to see these large um, multi center trials in that regard. Another thing that is really making its uh, impact these days is the whole science of dissemination and implementation. Some people know it as knowledge translation. But if you are an evidence generator and we're creating all this new knowledge, but we're not translating it to the bedside, then it's not going to impact the patient. So we're gonna be seeing a lot more knowledge translation research or dissemination and implementation. Those are trends that we'll continue to see. Big data are now available to us. With the electronic health record, we have access to lots of information from lots of patients, but we still don't know yet the best way to extract it, to answer questions with high fidelity. So we'll be seeing more of that. And then some of the technologies that we're going to be seeing is research and simulation, telemedicine research, really important. There are not enough pediatric emergency physicians, for example, to go around to fill the needs of the country. So we are looking at telemedicine as a way to fill the gap, and we're going to need to be doing research around telemedicine and how to best use that technology. So those are just some of the uh, trends, I think, coming down the pike.
0: If uh, you could offer one piece of advice or a pearl of wisdom, so to speak, for a prospective pediatric emergency medicine physician, what would you emphasize? What would be the most important thing?
1: Again, I w- it would be hard to say one thing, but I could say a few things to this Certainly. this uh, prospective researcher. First of all, once the, once you've identified that research is what you want to do, then you have to stay focused. This is, we're in an era where to answer the big important questions, you can't dabble around a lot. You can dabble around for a while until you find that area and that thing that you want to do. But once you find it, then you have to go in full-throttle besides the training and mentorship I mentioned. Then you have to commit and really try to move the dial to, to change something that we do in clinical medicine that's really going to make an impact. And to do that, you have to be bold and take risks, which means that sometimes you're going to fail, but to really move the dial and make a change, it takes failing several times, but then you just get up, dust yourself off, and move on with the next question, and with that persistence and thick skin, you'll eventually get there and answer important questions. So, so the, those are some of the tips that I would offer a, a young investigator.
0: Excellent. Switching topics a little bit, uh, a very hot topic in emergency medicine right now is physician wellness and preventing things like burnout and early retirement age. What tips and tricks have you found and what would you suggest that our medical students and residents start practicing now?
1: Wow, that's a really important and difficult question. But I think some of the things that I've addressed indirectly deal with burnout, which is finding a niche in emergency medicine is a very healthy thing in my mind because as one ages, it's hard to think spending 30, 35 hours in an emergency emergency department resuscitating people in your 60s and 70s and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But if you find a niche, here today we've been talking about research, you can gradually move more into that niche over time and sort of divide your time between clinical medicine and something else. Mm -hmm. I think it's important that you don't try to pursue too much. So when I was in training, It seemed like the gold standard was to become a quadruple threat, which means being a great clinician, a great researcher, a great teacher, a great administrator. But I think that's a fallacy, and that can lead to burnout. My recommendation for the young, aspiring academic physician Mm -hmm. to keep wellness and maintain work-life balance is to just pick two things. That is, be a great clinician educator, or be a great clinician researcher and the third leg is make sure that you're well, that you have a happy home life, that you can pursue the things about which you're passionate. And that I think will help prevent burnout. In days of your I think we were asked to be expert at too many things. And so my advice is pick your work passion, one or two, stick with that and maintain your personal life. And that will help uh, prevent burnout.
0: Excellent. Um, Any last advice or pearls of wisdom that you would give to residents and medical students in emergency medicine, be they interested in research or teaching or clinical medicine? What advice would you give those of us that are early in our career?
1: Sure. I think the key to happiness in life in many regards, whether it be at work or personal, is to... Find your passion, make sure you're a great communicator. Good communication is essential in my personal life, it's critical in my uh, research life. Don't overcommit to too many things. Now, it's tricky as a young physician where you're trying to establish yourself, it's difficult to say no all the time when you're asked to do things. Mm -hmm. But you're gonna need to learn early in your career to selectively say no. let me give an example for the young aspiring researcher. Book chapters are important um, pieces of work and p- important pieces of creative activity that a physician, an academic physician can do. But if you're an aspiring researcher, I would say no to book chapters because they are very time intensive mm-hmm. if you do them well and they will get in the way of your creative work to create research. So... Find your passion, stay focused, don't overcommit to uh, too many things, and you need to have a sense of humor because there's going to there's be failures. You're going to try, you're going to do one thing or another, and it's not going to work and the grant is not going to hit, but you have to have uh, thick skin and a sense of humor. And I'll add one other thing in the current era where grant funding is a bit trickier than it was 10 or 15 years ago. Don't let that discourage you, because at some point, the grant funding will cycle back up, and the people who are well-trained, who have their mentorship, will be first in line when the funding gets better. So, as with everything else I do in my life, I try to just stick to my passion. With work, it's research, my home life, it's my family, and travel, and other things, and you have to ignore temporary circumstances, um, such as, for example, the current funding climate, which is a bit challenging because it will circle back.
0: Excellent. Thank you so much, sir. I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us, and I know that our residents and medical students do as well.
1: It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much.